It's great to see you. It's good to be with you online and in person. Uh, this morning, it's an incredible honor. I remember the tail end of last year, we decided we wanted to have a baptismal service, and we kind of said, well, why don't we do it on the January the 1st? Because what a significant symbolic statement that would be to make a declaration right at the start of this year, that this year we are going to celebrate the new life that we find only in Jesus. And I probably won't preach as well as Emma, but that makes my life easier, because if you've not been encouraged so far, then so I, I will probably preach better now because I can relax, not worried, because you've heard amazing testimonies. Great job to everyone who's done it. It's not easy, I can assure you of that. But just as we start this year, I really feel that God laid in my heart just a, a really short message to share, because loads of people were getting baptized, so I really appreciated that I would have less time than normal, but that's absolutely fine. You'll be glad to know, but I really just feel God laid this in my heart to share just as it was a baptismal service. And I want to read some verses from Matthew chapter 16. It's quite a few verses, but I promise my message isn't overly long. But to give some context before I share it, Jesus has spent some time with his disciples. He had these disciples that he'd appointed, but by this point, Jesus had been performing miracles. He'd taught for a bit. They'd spent quite a bit of time with him and it comes to this point where Jesus is spending time with his disciples and he asks them a couple of questions and it goes like this. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me, for you're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything more, worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. It's crazy in this story how Peter can go from being, you are the rock on which I build my church. And just for clarity, theologically, it doesn't mean Peter is what he built his church on, but it was what Peter said, which was, you are the Messiah. What we build our faith on and why we ask people to say, do you believe Jesus is your savior? It's because that confession of faith is what we build our lives on. But very quickly, it became very much get behind me, Satan. So often we can end up really lost if we don't really grasp and keep our eyes on what Jesus calls us to. But he asked them two questions. And the first question he asked them is, who do people say that I am? 
This week there was a debate sparked once again, it always sparks about who's the greatest football player of all time, because and recently Lionel Messi is an argument to be made, he won the World Cup, that's finally him the greatest, but also the correct answer who is Pele, who died this week, is the greatest, but it's a debate that goes on, everyone has an opinion, and just like this, in fact, more so Jesus is someone that everyone has an opinion on. He's the most controversial figure in history. He's the most blasphemed name in history, but he's the most worshipped name in history. He's the figure that you can't sit on the fence with Jesus. You, everyone's got an opinion. You either think he's a good man, you either think he was Jesus, you think he was a maniac, but there's, there's no one, you can't sit on the fence with him. And it was no different to when Jesus was around. People didn't really grasp who he was. They, they recognized his existence and it forced people to make decisions on who they thought that he was. Recently, there was a campaign, I say recently, it was probably about 10 years ago now, but it was a campaign in America, Pastor Judah Smith, I would say a friend of mine or a relative, but he's not at all, he has no idea who I am. But he wrote a book called Jesus is Space. And he'd done a big marketing campaign to get people to fill in, I think it was jesusis.org, and it was basically, you can fill in the blank, and boy did they get some answers. Jesus is somewhere horrible, somewhere he's this, he's righteousness, he's a saviour, and Jesus is gap. And that was the question Jesus was asking his disciples, who do you say that I am? See, he asked, who do people say I am? And maybe you've heard all the opinions people have. Maybe you've asked the question of others, who do you say that Jesus is? And maybe that's how you formed your opinion. Your opinion of Jesus is something you heard from others or it's something you picked up from people at work or family or tradition. Who knows what your answer would be. But then Jesus asks them a more direct question and says, well, that's fine what others say that I am, but who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? And for me, that is the most important question you will ever be asked in history is who do you say that Jesus is? And I believe it's a question that Jesus asks every single person on planet in the history of them. Who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? Am I just some historical figure? And if that's for you, then that, that's fine, it's the wrong answer, but that's the, if that's what your view is, he's just some historical figure. Some people try and say, well, he was just a made-up figure, he wasn't real, and we can get into the debate. Sean can help you with all of that if you want to argue against that, but really, ultimately, Peter, of all the disciples, I notice how he asks every disciple the question, they're all there if I'm reading my Bible correctly, and I am, but Peter's the one who says, Jesus, this is who you are. You are the son of the living God. You are the savior. You're the Messiah. You're the answer that we've all been waiting for. But the real test of faith for Peter, who do you say I am, comes later on when Jesus is taken to the cross, which eventually happens and we sing about it. And you may know the story, you may not, but Jesus gets at, Peter gets asked the same question, not by Jesus, not in the safe place, but in the, in the cauldron of life where Jesus has been taken to a cross, and they say, well, weren't you his disciple? And Jesus, Peter says, nah, nah, nah. I never knew him. <laughs> I don't know who he is. Three times he denies Jesus. Who do you say that I am? It's easy to say who, Jesus is my savior on a Sunday, but it's much more difficult on a Thursday at work when life is stressful. And, but that's the real cauldron. But the beautiful story about this is, who do you say I am? That's not how Peter's stories end. Why? Because Peter then becomes one of the most influential. That moment where he says, you're the Messiah, you're the rock. This confession of faith is the rock I'll build my church on. Becomes the rock in Acts chapter 2. Peter is the one who stands up and says, no, this is who Jesus is. Why? Because Jesus is so grace-filled and so amazing that 
even if we get lost sometimes, Jesus is always there to restore us back to everything that he has for us. Because that's the Jesus that we serve. It's the Jesus we worship. It's why we get baptized. It's why I come to church every single Sunday. It's why I try my best to answer who does Jesus to me. Why? Because it's nothing about me. I'm a flawed human who makes mistakes. But thankfully, every time I do, I can come back to this Jesus, this moment, and say, Jesus, I'm sorry you're my savior. I'm sorry for getting it wrong. But my question to you this morning, as we start this year, if you don't know, if you don't have an answer to the question, is who do you say Jesus is? If you're watching online or in the room, who is Jesus to you? I don't know. I can't answer it for you. I can tell you what others might say about him. I can give you facts and opinions, but ultimately it's a personal question. But who do you say that he is? And maybe you've been like Peter in the safe moment, you'll say that he's this. But when life hits, there's been moments where I've been like, oh, well, he's my savior when it's good. But when someone else asks me, I love the story of Daniel. I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because all of God's people are gathered together. Yet as far as I'm aware, there's only Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the entire nation who stand up and say, do you know what? He's my God regardless of whether it's good or whether it's bad. Should this life bring suffering when I'm suffering? What's my confession going to be? I can't answer that for you. Jesus then moves on and to talk about to be my true follower, you have to carry my cross. You see, I've never carried it. Well, that's not true, actually. So the churches in Presswick together, they used to do what they called a march of witness on Good Friday, where they would walk down the streets and sing songs, but they would carry a huge cross. And, um, and everyone wanted to carry the cross. So I never really got shot. And I remember t- carrying it one time. And it was awkward. It wasn't the heaviest cross on the planet, but it was awkward. It was uncomfortable to carry, to be honest, because... One, you don't really want to go at right page. You can't turn around properly because you whack folk or you hit cars. And it was, so you have to be really, it's uncomfortable to carry this cross. No, it wasn't overly heavy. It was uncomfortable. Now, Jesus here is he's talking to his disciples and his people, and I believe he's talking to us too. He's not talking about carrying a physical cross. He's using the metaphor of the cross that he would carry to really represent our lives. You see, thankfully, I don't have to carry the cross because Jesus done that for me. I could never carry my cross. I would never be worthy enough of God's love. That's why Jesus had to come, and it's why we say that he's a savior because I could never save myself. But you see, the thing about the cross is it's about the life of sacrifice and putting God first and loving others and putting others above myself that Jesus is trying to get them to understand. That it's not about having false humility, but it's, it's about living a life that's not a selfish life, but it's a selfless life. Jesus talks about to actually gain your life, you have to give it up. It's like what's mine is his, and what's his is mine. Why? Because when I carry a cross, it can be uncomfortable, it can be heavy, but until I'm carrying my cross, I'll never understand the grace that God gives me to carry the cross. It doesn't make any sense from the outside looking in. It's only when you pick it up, you realize actually, Well, God gives me the strength I need. He's not going to give you the strength you need before you need it. And you won't need it until you pick up the cross. You see, it's uncomfortable to carry a cross, but you were never designed to be comfortable. You were designed to be a carrier. That's what we were designed for. You were created to carry, not for comfort. And this year, I really believe that God is calling us to move forward as a church, but also as individuals. 
He's calling us to step into everything that he has for us. And if you want to know more about what that will look like, come next week, because Pastor Jim's going to really unpack it all. But I believe that God is calling us to our new vision on the board over there, which is to stretch, strengthen, and send people locally, nationally, and globally. And it's exciting. But there's going to be times when it's uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable thinking about everything that we believe God's calling us to do and thinking, how's that all going to work? But, and it's going to be messy at times. And do you know what? There's going to be days like today where we have a great victory and we celebrate the lives that have been transformed. But guess what? There's also going to be days where we face setbacks. There's going to be days when the cross is a bit harder to carry than it is on days like today. But I firmly believe that through it all, if we commit to being people who falls of Jesus who carry her cross and I really hope that you'll join me as being someone who's committed to carrying their cross and declaring who Jesus is that I firmly believe that we will start to see more and more of the songs that we sing becoming not just a song that we sing but becoming a reality you see Charles Spurgeon who's a famous theologian and preacher he, he said this Christ also takes from us all inclination or power to boast of our natural, natural prestige. To me, this is him speaking, it is prestige enough just to be a Christian. To bear the cross of Christ gives me to carry and to follow in his footsteps the great cross and I was thinking about that, just that quote, and I thought, we've all got a cross to carry, and my cross is going to be different to your cross. What God calls me to do is different to what he calls you to do. But to me, if all I do this year, I know that Emma preached a better preach than me, but if all I do this year is carry my cross, and I don't ever get to preach, and I don't get to do any of the upfront stuff or any of the stuff that I would love to do and that I enjoy to do, and all I do is carry my cross, but I carry it in a way that every single day in every situation, God, I'm carrying my cross. I'm ca- then to me, that is the greatest privilege, that I can bear Jesus' name. There's a great part in the Bible, and I'm almost closing. I said it would be short, where the disciples get beaten. I mean, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. I don't really want to get beat up for Jesus. No, I mean, I don't really want that to happen. To be honest. I don't want it for any of us. But in Acts chapter 2, the same Peter who denied Jesus three times gets restored and says, hey, did Jesus you crucified? I mean, he goes from being a timid little mouse to like this bold lion. But they get beat up to the point where they nearly die. And it it doesn't say, oh, they questioned their faith. It doesn't say that they kind of doubted the cross or they put it down. It says they ran away rejoicing. They were so excited that they had been considered worthy to be beaten on behalf. And I'm just like, I'm not saying that I wouldn't take it, but like to be rejoiced. Why? Because they understood that to carry my cross means that it's not about me. It's not about the things that might happen to me and the things I might go through, but actually ultimately it's about God's glory at work through me. And if me getting beaten means that God's kingdom can advance, then dare I say it, and I probably shouldn't say it from public, but if that's what it takes, then God... I'm going to hold on to my cross and there might be days I'm running with it and there might be days where I'm clinging on to it for dear life but I am committed to carrying my cross whatever it looks like God I'm here I'm, I'm carrying my cross I remember my baptism when I was 16 years old 14 years ago and I remember it because I remember the 
the day I remember looking at pictures now and thinking, why did my parents let me leave the house like that? But hey ho, I was 16, I can wear what I want. But I remember getting baptized with three of my friends who, they're all doing different walks of life now, but for some of them, at some point along this journey in the last 16 years, the last 14 years, they put down the cross. They're not carrying the cross anymore. But when I was 13 years old, I gave my life to Jesus, and that's when I first picked up my cross, and there's been times when I've dropped it, there's times when I've had to pick it up again, but 16, 14 years, I'm 30 years old now, and I'm still carrying my cross. And my prayer for myself in 2023 is that I'm going to carry my cross. Tomorrow, I'm going to pick up my cross again, and I'm going to pick it up the day after that. And when I, when I have interactions with people, I'm going to hope that I'm going to be carrying the cross. And I want it to be so uncomfortable and so natural to everyone that everyone who sees me, they say he's carrying his cross. There's something different about them. And I'm praying to God that, that I won't just carry the cross when it's convenient. I won't just carry the cross when I feel like it. But actually, every day I'm going to make a commitment this year in 2023 that I am personally going to carry my cross of Jesus. I'm going to bear it for everyone to see in order that he might get the glory and there's going to be days where I might need you to encourage me as I carry my cross and I commit that there'll be days where I will encourage you to keep carrying your cross. But I really just believe in my heart at the start of this year that we've had a great start. Five people are being baptized and we're believing that that's just the start and God's going to do more through our church this year. We believe that God's got more for us but I believe that if each one of us can just, if all we do this year is carry our cross, I believe that God will take us from a place where it's just words on a screen or words on a board to the reality, that living reality that's outward in us and through us, the worship team can come up. And I'm just going to pray as we close. And if you're comfortable, I would love it if you could stand, if you're comfortable and able to do so. I just want to pray over us this year. Father God, I thank you that you are the great cross bearer, that you carried your cross. And because you carried our cross, like we can live in the freedom that we sing of. That it's not just words, it's not just a, an empty gesture, God, but actually it's the living reality that because you carried our cross, that we can carry the cross that you've given us, which is so much lighter to bear than the one you carried. Father God, I pray for every person here, God, that when they're asked the question, who do they, who do they say that you are, that the answer will be Jesus Christ, my Savior, my personal Lord and Savior. And pray for this year, God, that we will be cross carriers who... In 2023, as we carry you across, that you'll get the glory and that lives and your kingdom will be expanded and lives will be restored into it. That more people will become cross carriers, that this little corner of the world, this little town of Presswick and this little park called Ayrshire, God, will be impacted for your glory because your church is alive and we're going to rise in your power and in your name we go. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
Father God, I thank you that already this morning we've heard the testimony of how the lost have come home, how the bound have been set free. And Father God, we just thank you that as we start this year, 2023, on day one of the year, that we make the declaration that the best is yet to come. As we look forward to this year, that this, that song isn't just going to be a song we sing, but it's going to be something that we see all through the year, from day one all the way down to day 365. We're just going to see your glory revealed across our cities, our towns, our villages, our streets, our nation, our continent, and this planet, Father God, that the lost will be found, the bound will be free, that your church will arise in power and love and move forward as your kingdom advances. Father God, why? Because it's all in the name of Jesus. Father God, we just, as your church, we say amen, we say amen, and we say amen, amen, amen. This morning, and 